You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, financial planning, retirement accounts, whatever it is, pick up the phone, give me a call. I'll do my best to get you an answer. We're going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. The weather's looking really nasty this week. It's an early start to winter. I don't remember uh, a storm with quite this much intensity this early in the year in a while. And I don't know what that means, whether that means we're in for a long, hard winter. Uh, The Almanac, Farmer's Almanac, tends to believe that the majority of the country probably in for a little more severe winter than normal little heavier snowfall, little colder temperatures. We've talked several times on the show, get ready. Don't wait. You know, make sure your truck's in good mechanical condition and then make sure you have stuff. Uh, You know, the last thing you want to do is get stuck in one of those snowstorms out in the middle of nowhere on the interstate and not have food, blankets, warm clothing, water, a first aid kit of some sort, you know, one of the places, go hit a camping world or an outdoor world or one of those stores with camping. You can buy great emergency supplies, you know, throw a container of emergency food in the truck. If you're going anywhere that requires chains, make sure you know how to put them on. And and that that's it's not to insult anybody, but if you haven't done it before, The last time you want to be learning is at the top of a pass in the dark and cold with everybody else slipping around. So take some time, go off in a parking lot, preferably on a warmer day, and just practice putting them on, taking them off, and and get used to it. Once you learn how it's not that bad, but again, if you're trying to do it in the dark and cold at night, it's not going to be good. Make sure you have good cold weather gear to go out and put those on. I would also have some sort of a reflective vest. Just get yourself prepared for winter because it it could be a long, cold winter this year. It's hard to say. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's start off in New York today. J.D., welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Kevin, I'm quite a long-time listener, and I got a truck that that I've done – I would say the hard work too, and I've got it up to a solid 8.7 for the last year. Wow, that's impressive. Well, it it does real good, but it doesn't have a 12.7 in it. I really wanted a 12.7 Detroit, kind of like the uh, signature spec, something similar to that pre-emission truck. Well, in the meantime, while I'm searching for this truck, a friend of mine comes along, and he just had a life-changing collapse and employment-wise, and he said, I'd like to drive truck. Well, I kind of came up with this idea that I'd rent him this truck, this one that's doing 8.7, 7 
for 22 cents a mile. And he's pretty hungry. He wants to knock out about 3,000 miles a month, and it would just be a full maintenance lease and kind of like renting a Hertz rent-a-car at the airport. What do you think of that 22-cent idea? Uh, Let me think. Uh, 22 cents a mile. So, you know, just rough numbers. If he does 100,000 miles for the year, you're going to make 22,000. Right. On the truck. And it, so if he were to gross, you know, 150, just to throw a number out there to start somewhere, uh, he's right. tw- he's 22 off of that. It puts him at 130. Yeah, you know, it's doable. Uh, you're covering all maintenance. Who pays for fuel? All maintenance. He pays for fuel. Okay. Um, and then he picks up the... The collision insurance on the truck, I mean, between that and his uh, work comp, is about $45 a week, you know, and the, I'm going to let him pick that up. The, the bigger, and that's really his only cost fuel, and, and with the thing doing eight points, a solid 8.7, yeah, I bigger, thought it might be a moneymaker for him. The bigger risk here is actually on you. You know, you're you're going to be... You know, if we end up with a twelve cent a mile maintenance cost, now you're down to ten cents a mile uh, as far right. as you know revenue after maintenance. One big maintenance item for the year, you could wipe out all of your profit. Right, I know that. The motor has about four ninety on a crate motor, a long block. So, but. That doesn't mean anything. You can still crate or anything anytime. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know the odds of that happening are pretty slim, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, th- these numbers are doable. Clearly, um, I actually think that twenty-two cents might be a little low on your part. I actually think you're taking too much risk. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to spin by you to see what you thought. You know, I've been running on profit gauges, and I think my maintenance costs are right at seven point eight per well, mile. Well, that's a good number. So I really, yeah. It, you know, if you I could really, hold that, then the twenty-two cents makes some sense. Um, but there's right. there's some risk there that you won't end up with a lot of profit off this. But you know what? No matter how you slice it, you don't end up with a lot of profit off one truck. Not when you have to pay a driver. You know, the uh, the idea is. You've got to start building multiple trucks at some point if the goal is to to stop driving. You know, it's usually going to take three to five trucks to provide enough income for most people to stop driving and get out of the truck and manage it. And, you know, you just got to get out there and do it. The the first couple are the hardest, and then it actually gets a little easier. Oh, yeah. Well, I did went and, I went and bought the 12.7, and I'm just thrilled with it, and uh you know, a direct drive tranny and a 264 rear. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe how great it does on fuel. So, uh, yeah, you know, I really it's... appreciate all the tips and advice, and I take it all to heart and uh, try to implement it, you know. so. Well, you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, I think this could work. Uh, I, I might bump that number up to 25 cents a mile. Somewhere in that range, 22 to 25, you should be okay. He can still make money. A lot of it is going to depend on the the rate to the truck as well. Let's head off to Toledo. Rick, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? Doing good. What can I help you with? 
Good. Well, Kevin, I just came back yesterday from Fitzgerald. I'm going to order a glider from them, and I'm checking to see what your thoughts are on gear ratio with the I'm, – I'm thinking 13-speed. Okay. Now, so, when when you say you're going to order it, are they actually going to order it, or are you picking what's on their lot? Nope. They don't have anything on the lot that's available that is not already sold. <laughs> wow. Well, that's uh, that's a yeah. good sign. Uh, if yeah, you can good. now, are they telling you you can choose your gear ratio when you order this? Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, the man out there told me that. Yeah. Okay. And it's just hard to say. Sometimes they do orders where every truck across the board is the same except color. And they get better okay. pricing sometimes when they do that. But if if they're going to let you choose your gear ratio with the 13 speed, I like 279s. They run it in 11th and in direct. Uh, we have 12th as a, you know, 55 to 60 in 11th gear is perfect. 60 to 68 or so in 12th gear is a great overdrive. And then you still have 13th. It'll run up to about 80 if you need it. So you have lots of options and we're going to get good fuel economy. Very good. So, and I know on some of the trucks they had, they had a lot of 358 gear ratios. Is that not a very, you know, it's, it's middle of the road. It, it it's almost ident- it's close to the two seventy nines in in if you're uh-huh. one two gears up. So you know in thirteenth gear your RPMs are going to be similar to what they were in eleventh with the two seventy nines. So it's a good gotcha. middle of the road all around gear ratio. You know we can live with it, especially with the thirteen speed. You can run slower uh-huh. in twelfth if you want. And if if you have to get that gear ratio, take it. Nothing wrong with it. But if we get to pick, 279 would be better. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. So, yeah, I just wanted to say, too, that that's quite an impressive place out there, and I'm pretty excited about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a ball. Yeah. And I appreciate everything you do out there, Kevin. I really do. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate the support. Yeah, it's fun to go down to Fitzgerald and – Get to see that it's an impressive setup. They build great trucks over there. Uh, you know, when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, that transmission and gear ratio setup. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
The website is letstruck.com. Uh, interesting, you know, we, we've been talking about that driveline combination for about three years now. Uh, Bruce Mallinson and I were, were talking one day and we were working out different ideas on how to build a more efficient truck. And both Bruce and I really like direct drive. It, it's more efficient, puts more power to the wheels and more fuel efficiency to the truck being in direct drive. Then we got talking about the fact that, you know, so few trucks are set up with direct drive transmissions. But what if we geared the truck to run in direct and then just used whatever direct gear there was? For example, on a 13 speed double overdrive, 11th is direct on a 10 speed ninth is direct on an 18 speed single overdrive 17th is direct so we got talking about why not put in gears like 264s or 279s or maybe even 293s in some cases and then match it to a transmission and drive in direct We've been recommending that for about three years now. People love it. But, you know, they've done a ton of them at Pittsburgh Power. Well, now I see uh, Volvo is actually releasing a new transmission. They call it XE Adaptive Gearing, and it's direct and overdrive in one transmission. So they're really doing the same thing we were doing. They're just kind of making it dummy proof for the driver, but they're doing the same thing. They're running in direct when they're heavy. And then when they're lighter, they're actually using the overdrive gear like a true overdrive. Yeah, we've been recommending that for three years. I don't know anybody else who has. Uh, but yet here we, here we are, Volvo is bringing out a transmission that does exactly what we've been helping people do for several years now. Uh, interesting, you know, we brought out, uh, our version of the six by two with the lift axle back in 08. You're seeing a lot of OEMs. I, I don't think that we influence that at all. I just think we're kind of out on the cutting edge. I think we're out there in front of a lot of this technology and we're seeing, the OEMs and the fleets pick up on it after the fact, many times, many years after we've been doing it. Let's go to Memphis. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, this is Kevin, big fan. Called in several times. Tell everybody about your show. Love what you do. Thank you. I called, uh, I called to ask questions I've heard you talk about before. I live in Florida. I'm not incorporated. And I'm owner-operator for FedEx Custom Critical, and I'm buying a new truck in Dallas, Texas. And I assume there's no way of getting out of the FET, but I called and asked about if I titled it like in Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio, if I would have to pay the sales tax. And, and, uh, and you know, we talked about, you, you know, you said you just used a, a terminal address. To do it, I had my wife call the state to talk about doing it. They said I'd have to have a driver's license, uh, Ohio driver's license, to be able to do it. Is it a difference of maybe yeah. not being incorporated? No, no. And I've never heard <clears throat> heard that. By the way, I don't know if that's a change. The last time I titled a truck in Ohio was probably in the early two thousand somewhere. It's been a while. But unless they've changed something, you might want to try 
just walking into a title bureau somewhere, you know, because that that was never a requirement for me. Nobody. I mean, they asked for ID, but it didn't have to. I had a Florida driver's license at the time, and I registered several trucks in Ohio. And, and it's something that I would just locate, go into the local uh, title office to do it. Yeah. Or go in and ask some questions there. I, you don't know if there's any way that I can online or call and uh, get that information. Maybe well, I got somebody to give me some bad information. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. You could call, but sometimes, you know, you get an answer and, and it's not going to do you much good. If you get two different answers, you're still going to have to show up and see what they say when you get there. So, I mean, you could try. Right. You've already got an answer. Maybe it was wrong. You could try again, but uh, yeah, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, and I mean, it might be just easy for me to do it in Texas or Oklahoma, too. Uh, that's that's what I'm shooting for, to find out which one to do. Okay, uh, well, let's call and see what we'll find out. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off this time to Minnesota. Dean, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. See, I recently changed jobs, which required me to have my own authority. Uh, and if I take any time off, um, they require me to have someone in the truck. Now, I've checked into that on the work comp and liability and all that. And they're talking like $11 per hundred to start out with. Is that because you're a new uh, authority and uh, no. no history or what? No, that that's just the going rate for work comp for a truck driver. I've seen it higher than that. You know, some states I've seen $14 a hundred. I've actually seen $18 a hundred in some states. It's outrageous. Oh. Uh, this is why many, many people end up going the independent contractor route which isn't correct, and I'm not recommending you do it. I'm just explaining why people do it, because the work comp costs are outrageous. Now, if you hire somebody as an independent contractor, you can get what's called work accident insurance instead, and it's much, much cheaper. I mean, it's dirt cheap compared to workers' comp, like uh, 40 bucks a week, you know, instead of $14 a hundred or $11 a hundred. So that's why a lot of people go that way. Having an employee is very expensive. Well, see, the problem is it might only happen once every, you know, if I want to take two weeks off this winter, but and maybe you, once in the summer. Other you than know, that, here's, here's what you do. Then. Right. Here's what you do. You go contract with a driver leasing agency and they will supply you drivers uh, and they'll give you a price. And it will depend. You could say, okay, I want the driver to make 40 cents a mile. And then they'll do what's called grossing that up. So they'll say, okay, if the driver's going to get 40 cents a mile, you have to pay us 48 cents a mile. And three cents goes towards taxes and a couple cents goes towards workers' comp and health insurance. And then we get a couple cents profit. But that's how they do it. And then when you need a driver, you just call them up and they send somebody over. Totally qualified you know, ready to go. Well, this is a little bit different than Norm. I'm local and I run the livestock uh, feed. 
So it is more of a specialized, uh, not just anybody can jump into it the you, first day type of thing, you know. Yeah, you know, most uh, most leasing companies that I've worked with keep a lot of drivers qualified in a lot of different areas. And many times you can even request a certain driver. So, yeah, I, I would look into it because otherwise what I would do in your case, and this isn't right, but it's the only way you're going to make this work. It just pay somebody as an independent contractor. Put a, the, the tax situation is going to be a nightmare if you're only using them once in a while. So my first recommendation is talk to some driver leasing companies, see if you could make that work. If not, you're going to have to find somebody, but I, I, this is a case where I don't think I would make him an employee. All right. How do I get on your website? Because I've got a uh, 94 International with a 12.7 I'm trying to sell. Okay. I do have it in truck paper, but I'd like to get it on uh, Let's Truck or your uh, Facebook or someplace also to advertise it. Yeah, we don't really have any place on the Let's Truck website itself, but you can put it up on our Let's Truck Facebook page. And just go to Facebook look up let's truck and you can post it to our timeline. Uh, all right. So a couple things I want to uh, remind you of the new recording schedule is every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon. And that's 1 PM Eastern time. So put a reminder in your phone. So that, you know, at 1230, 1245 or so, a reminder pops up. It's got the phone number. I'm going to give you a phone number. So just, you know, put that in the message. And then when it's time, your message pops up. You call in and you can join us on the recorded hour. Uh, the number to call us is 347 884 Eight three two seven. The other thing I want to remind you about is the year-end accounting special we run. This is a, your chance to get in and get the entire year caught up, and it will cost you almost nothing. So the way it works is you can sign up for our startup program for $25, which is a special. And then we'll help you do, we could go all the way back to January. We'll do January for you. Then we'll help you with the rest of the year. And $25, you'll be able to get caught up all the way through November. So give us a call. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're on the road, Doug. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're uh, we're going to get right back to some phone calls. We're off to uh, Wisconsin. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What can I help you with today? Well, I just got a question about the per diem in Texas. I've been listening to your show quite a while, and I brought up my wife, and she looked it up on last year's taxes, and he, they, the guy that does my taxes only charged off like $6,900. And that's, I was on the road over 200 days. That's not right, I don't think. Uh, do you remember how and many days? How many days I was on the road last year? I don't know. How many days was it on, do you know? I was home about 35 days last year is all. Okay, so 35 from 365, you're actually at about 330 days, if that were the case. So 330 times 59, which was the rate, is 19,470 times 80%, which is the allowable deduction, is $15,576. He didn't even come close. That was my, you just answered my question, because he question him about it and he said you could only charge off 50 percent no oh no 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 he is he is he fire him and go find a new accountant because what he's confusing fire him fire him him right now drop drop a bomb on him he's history he's toast because he doesn't understand that there is a totally different per diem system for over-the-road truck drivers. Actually, it's for anybody subject to DOT hours of service. So pilots, truck drivers, boat captains, anybody subject to hours of service has their own set of rules. And if he doesn't know that, he's probably screwing up some other stuff too. Well, I mean, there must be something not quite right because He's on my taxes for almost seven, eight years. Oh, boy. How long have we been doing this? So yeah, he, I know, right? Well, do you want the good news? Sure. Give me the good news. There's got to be good news, right? There is good news. It's actually very good news. You can go back three years and redo those returns. Not only will you get all of your refund back, you'll get interest from the IRS. Really? Yep. Yeah, so you would do what's called an amended return. So we would go back, and we can go back three years. So, uh, and, you know, we're coming up. uh, It's not all that long. You know, usually file your returns March or April. So we're coming up on April of 2015, which means you could have filed your 2012 tax return. Uh, You could still go back and amend uh, 2012. Actually, I think we could still do 2011 right now. 12, 13, 4, and make sure we do 14 right. But you can go back and amend those returns, and like I say, you'll get the money back plus interest. Sweet. Hold on. What'd you say, hon? She asked me if it mattered you have a sleeper truck or if you spend your time in a hotel it doesn't matter doesn't doesn't matter as long as you're not home now if you spend time in a hotel the hotel is deductible as well all the cost of the hotel is deductible but it doesn't it doesn't change anything so 
It doesn't change anything other than the fact that if you spent money on a hotel, you do get to take that as a deduction as well. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so uh... go back and uh, get those amended and enjoy the extra cash. Uh, Roughly, I can give you an idea. Roughly, uh, he was deducting like 7,000. We figured out it was 15 something. So you got eight thousand more of a deduction each year saves you roughly 30 percent so i mean you could get back probably two thousand to three thousand dollars a year you know do that for three years that's a nice little payday let's go to north carolina mark welcome to the program hey kevin how you doing today good what can i help you with um i was thinking about getting i've got some um uh, Yokohama drive tires on my truck that are getting about time, you know, in the next couple, three months to replace. And I thought about getting them, taking them to Michelin and having them cap because, I mean, they're good casings. And they told me that the most fuel-efficient cap would be the XDA-2, which is, I guess, the XDA Energy, they said. Right. I want to make sure that's the right destination for that cap. It is. Yeah, that if you're going to do caps, that's the one to, to look at. Okay, I didn't think it was a bad price. It's 1360 bucks to do all eight of them. So. Nah, yeah, that is a good price. No no question you can save money with caps. I'm just re- not ready to go there yet. And I know lots of people that are running them and happy with them. Well, I figured if I was going to do it, I'd you know, go with the Michelins and give it a try, you know. So. That is the the way. If you're going to do it, make sure you control the casings. We have good casings. Make sure you're doing what you're doing, which is check to make sure we're getting the right cap to so keep the rolling resistance low, and then just make sure you take care of them. How, how will that affect my rolling resistance? Uh, it will still be very low because we're going with the low rolling resistant casing and it's a, also a low rolling resistance cap. Now, somewhere on the Michelin site, they probably have that combination available to uh, run through the calculator. All right. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off this right. time to Pennsylvania. Scott, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing good. I'd like I... to say thanks for all the informative information uh, you give us all. I've got a quick question for you, Kevin. Um, I'm a company driver right now, and um, I've been looking at continuing some education. And I wanted to see what you thought about uh, some of these broker schools. Not that I wanted to open up a brokerage, but maybe possibly at one time a day going ahead and becoming an agent for a company. What's your feelings on those, Kevin? Uh, Both of those are good. I, I think expanding your knowledge within the industry is always a good thing. I went to a broker school back in the early 90s, and I brokered for about a year or so, figured out it wasn't really a business model that I liked, but I don't regret doing it at all. I learned a lot. And it's good information. Becoming an agent is just a quick way to get started. And, and, you know, you'll get much more experience that way in the beginning. For me, you know, I came out of broker school and started my own brokerage, which is a it's a tough way to go. 
Uh, and I was in right. a I was in a time where freight wasn't nearly as heavy as it is right now. So it was a tough year. I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about you know relationship building and and a lot of other things. Right now, there's a lot of freight around. But going and being an agent, uh, you know, you get right in the seat. You start doing the work. You'll pick it up pretty quick. Okay. Do you um, what would your do you have a recommendation? On a school, Kevin, I mean, I've been looking at two different places. Um, I was looking at a school out in Arizona, which was um, load training. That's, and then I've also that's actually the one I, a, that's actually the one I recommend. And that is the school okay. that, that I did back in the early 90s. He, it, Dave Dwinnell was in uh, Wisconsin back then. And I, he's right. Moved, yeah. Right. So it was a, it was a great class back then. He really knew what he was doing. Uh, when I went through it and I don't know if it's still this way or not, it looks a little more formal now. When I went through it, it was really just, I spent a week working with him in the office. It was just, I was the only one there. And there were two guys that right. worked in the office and I just went and worked with him for a week. I went out on sales calls with them. We dispatched trucks. We, you know, just did the, all the stuff that you do as a broker. So for me, I thought it was a great way to learn. It was really hands-on. Okay. I got to see how the business ran and I, I thought they did a great job. Okay. They've changed some stuff around a little bit, Kevin. Now, um, he offers a five day class and a seven day class. Um, the five day class, everybody takes, um, it's just, you know, your formal book work, learning all the paperwork and everything, terminology and all. And then um, two days, then you go right to his brokerage office and work for two days. I, I would recommend yeah, I, I would recommend doing that, getting to see the operation and getting to, to work in it, you know, a couple days will really give you a much better understanding so if you're going to do it i would okay. recommend do the seven day get get those couple of days of of real training on the job like i i got to do it for five days and i i was learning the book work kind of at the same time but like i say it was a great experience i learned a lot don't regret it for a second stick around we'll be right back with more stuff check out the website it's letstruck.com you can also find us on Facebook. Look for Let's Truck and my personal page, Kevin Rutherford. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to go right back to some phone numbers. Let's go to Illinois. Keith, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. How you doing? Doing great. What can I help you with today? I just wanted to run some uh, numbers and uh, thoughts for you. Um, I've been doing it for a little while now. Um, I've got a full lease truck that's um, 
stay maintained and everything. Um, I'll get my truck parked up. It's got a million miles on it, needing some money spent on it. And it's, uh, as you put it to me one day, a parachute. Is it uh, got a big long stretch frame? Okay. Uh, I was averaging around five miles a gallon with that. I have a you know, brand new Volvo. I'm averaging seven one. Um, the full lease works out to pr- pretty much right about thirty three cents a mile, and I pay for nothing. That's maintenance. Everything's covered. I just insure it, fuel it. Um, I done it for several reasons. One was to get fixed costs to tidy up all my old debt and stuff and have fixed costs with no surprises with, you know, my old 565 Cummins breaking down or something with a million miles on it. And also to um, do some testing for a friend of mine with his aerodynamic products and stuff. I just... Well, let's see what you thought, the uh, 33 cents a um, mile. and You know, 33 cents isn't bad on a full-service lease. I, I'm not a big fan of a full-service lease for an owner-operator. Here's why. When we break down the business model of moving freight from point A to point B, there's so much money available. That's the rate. Now, we have to decide who's, who's going to get that the, the money. We're going to split it up. You know, the, the broker might get some because he went out and sold the freight or it might be a carrier that went out and sold the freight and did the paperwork in the background. Ultimately, the freight's going to get put on your truck and you're getting paid to own that truck and maintain that truck and move the freight. That's to me, that's what an owner operator gets paid to do. I'm in the business of owning and maintaining equipment and moving freight. And I want to get paid for all of that. I want to get paid because I took the risk and went out and bought the equipment and maintained it. And because I actually get in the truck and drive it and move freight. When we go to a full service lease, you're giving up part of your profit. You're saying, well, I really don't want to own trucks and maintain them and take that risk. I'll let somebody else do it. Well, that's okay. But that also means they get the profit. So all you're getting the profit for now is to drive the truck. You might as well go drive somebody else's truck. You are driving somebody else's truck, but you've got a business and you've got all the risks still, and you've got all the headaches of having a business, but all you're doing is really getting paid to drive a truck because somebody else owns it. They're making the profit on owning the truck. That's, Um, that's what, now I understand getting your fixed cost in order. So there's no surprises and you can budget and you can pay off debt. And if it's working for you and you're okay with the numbers, then keep doing it. But in yeah. my opinion, I, I want to own trucks. That, that's, that's my business model. I want to own trucks. I don't want somebody else to own them and take that risk. I want to own them. Yeah. And which I did have several, and that's part of my old debt. I actually just finished paying off two trucks that I turned back a couple of years ago and um, went back to just my one truck and, um, I've paid off 30,000 in 20 months. Well, that's good. Congratulations um, on, on, and like I say, if it's working and you're, you're getting closer to your goals, now here's the thing. Remember I, why I talk all the time about goals, plans, getting things in writing. That way we have something to measure against. If you've got a goal and leasing this truck is moving you closer to your goal, then keep doing it. 
But if it's not, then don't. Then do something different. That's why having goals and plans and getting things in writing is so important. Let's go to Wisconsin. Conrad, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, I guess I'll I'll start with the question first and then try to elaborate because the story is quite long. Um, my question is, uh, are you familiar with the uh, Volvo? Uh, it's um, V. I, I think it's called VE twelve four sixty five. And on this particular one, they've got a fuel heater water separator on the passenger side. And then on the driver's side, there's a pump that if you lose your prime, you can undo the pump and then push it hard, push it until it gets hard, and then you recover your prime. And um, that's the only way that I can start my truck. And uh, I've been on uh, three runs this week I've had to cancel. And so I've I've driven back and forth between La Crosse and Madison, and usually when I get to Madison the next morning, my truck won't start, so I I cancel my runs, and I'm just about ready to head back to the service place in La Crosse that that uh, did the the last PM on the truck, and he had to take the water separator part, and there's a clamp on the top of that water separator that I noticed this morning that the bolt is stripped. It uh, only tightens so hard. So it's yep, a little that, less than a quarter inch bolt. There, there's and a good so, um, chance that that's the problem. Go ahead. The clamp is the problem? Yep. Okay. So because what happens... Just impulsively what, say, hey, take that thing off. I don't want it on there no more. Put a Devco glass so I can see what my fuel's doing. Oh, you could certainly um, do that. I mean, there's yeah, you could do that. I like the Devco. You could put a fast on. And then if, if the problem ever occurred again, the FAST will, will prime your system for you. you. Just turn the key on. The FAST got an electric pump. It'll prime the system for you. So, yeah, I, I'd consider a FAST, too. But I, it, it's... Well, I'm wondering what to direct the, the, the mechanics at this shop. Because they're a Mac Volvo dealer, and they're pretty good, but they're not that good, you know? Well, this and is... they don't know all the this isn't, stuff. This isn't truck-specific. I mean, fuel systems losing prime is pretty common, and the, the the causes are usually pretty common. Somewhere, see, that's a sealed system. It's airtight. In order to maintain a prime, it has to be airtight. If it loses its prime, it means it's no longer airtight. There's a leak somewhere. Well, if we have a clamp with a busted bolt that won't tighten down, that's a good candidate. So that's certainly where I'd start. How many miles are on this truck? Seven hundred and sixty-three thousand five hundred and seven. You know, it's also time to replace all the fuel lines, all of the rubber fuel can lines. I, on can the... I can I go into that area a little bit? Yeah, um, go ahead. Because that's another interesting scenario. Um, uh, three or four weeks ago, before I was heading out on that run, I, and I've never done this before, but I had some black and white and red bottle fuel injector cleaner, and I put it in both tanks. And um, I'm doing my thing, and I end up in Florida. I'm at the Flying J, and I'm going to fuel, and I went out to drain my fuel water separator in a white cup. And I usually just drain off less than a tablespoon of water, you know, but this was filled with black stuff. And so I, I drained it and drained it way too much, and I lost my prime. And uh, I had kind of a shade tree mechanic there help me at the Flying J, and he he took the water separator off, and it had a lot of that black uh, stuff in it, and it didn't look like algae. It looked like little bits of rubber. And that 
the uh, two the, the two fuel possibilities was full of that, but uh, it, the fuel filter was absolutely clean, so nothing none of it got really over there to the fuel filter, which I thought great. But anyway, that's in the picture too here. Okay, so there, so there are two um, possibilities with uh, that, and one of them is that black substance is asphaltine. It, it will tend to clump up and drop to the bottom of the separator, the filters, things like that. Now, the good news is yeah. asphaltine is easy to take care of. Uh, Cummins and uh, uh, Fleet Guard make a product called asphaltine. Dump it in the tank. Just follow the directions. Dump it in the fuel tank. The asphaltine will go away if that's what it is. The other possibility oh, really? is, yeah, is that it's actually deteriorating fuel lines. That's why I want yeah, you to get that. And it might be, but asphaltine will clump up and feel very similar to little pieces of rubber. So I, I would. I would do both, honestly, because even if it's not the fuel lines, um, we should replace those just because it's time and go ahead and dump in a gallon of, of asphaltine or follow the directions. And one of the two is going to take care of the problem. Okay. All right. Great. I appreciate your help. I'll let you go. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And I'm looking at the clock. That's going to bring us right down to the end of the show. So I'm going to have to wrap this up and get out of here, but uh, don't go away. Jonesy's up next. All right. We, uh, We've blown right through this hour today. Uh, check out the website. It's letstruck.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Look for Let's Truck. That's the company page. You can also look for Kevin Rutherford. That's my personal page. And if you need any help at all from the Let's Truck team, just give us a call. That number is 855-800-FUEL. 855 800 3835. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. Good night.